0: We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, ZenCaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast's discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management, archaeology, and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 166 for June 19th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Webster. Are you trapped by security? We'll talk about it on today's show. So write that resignation letter because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in Maryland. Hello there. And Stephen in Calgary hi all right guys so we have a ton of topics in our episode ideas list and this one's been sitting there for uh, quite some time now I'm not really sure how long I, I could go back and look but quite some time and all it said with no links or you know thoughts or anything like that was trapped by security <laughs> I have to look I'd have to go back and look and see who wrote that and, and see who put this card together It might not have been me. Um, I might have been actually uh, well I don't know who it was I have to look anyway. So I, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, it's a it's an important concept in in cultural resource management because my thoughts on trapped by security just initially without even thinking about this uh, too deeply are basically you're in a job that you hate because this doesn't just apply to CRM. I know plenty of people. We all know plenty of people that are in jobs that maybe they're not super happy about but it pays the bills they have a family you know they're 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 trying to get things done and they're not concerned with the fact that they really kind of hate their job or maybe just don't love their job there's it's not a love or hate thing you could just be okay i'm going here and i'm making a paycheck right um it's not really fulfilling or something like that that's what trapped by security means to me um if you love your job then you're not you're not trapped you know i mean you might be trapped in the sense that It's not paying as much as you might think it could or uh, it doesn't have the upward mobility, but you don't want to leave because you don't want to find another job because maybe you think you won't find another job. So there's lots of ways you can look at that. It's not necessarily negative. It's just it's just something that needs to be thought about and discussed because I think a lot of people get into this position and they either don't know how to get out or they're afraid to get out and they're afraid to take that next step. And. And then maybe sometimes you know they haven't really thought it through, and are you actually trapped or is there actual security here? There's that one too. people think there's security when there isn't security I, I I always go back to the the CRM firm that I worked for here in Nevada. It wasn't was well after I stopped working for them, but it was just a few years ago. They seemed like one of the one of the stalwarts in the Great Basin. you know they always had a lot of work. they always had a number of employees, and then one year, like three years ago, two weeks before Christmas they laid everyone off <laughs> permanently. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure most of those people didn't come back. Like they ended up finding other jobs, but they just, this company got into a situation where they didn't have any work and they just simply didn't have payroll. And that happens. And uh, so security, at I would say a lot of CRM firms is a hundred percent an illusion. Uh, if, unless you're at a company that has other departments that can funnel money into your department and keep it alive during the lean times, then you know, if they can't pay the bills, if they can't make payroll, you're gone. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. You've been there 40 years. But if they can't make payroll, then you don't have a job. And that's, that's another form of being trapped by security is understanding what security even means at your company. So what are you guys' initial thoughts on this? I'll start with you, Bill. What's your thought on this as a current CRM archaeologist in uh, the United States that's definitely gone through some changes in the last few years?
1: Well, I mean, look, you know, when this topic first came up, I just started making a, a long list of sort of the different scenarios in which uh, your job sort of keeps you in, in, in security. So I guess I guess I start off with, for me, one I've seen, it's really been like one of the, the more insidious looking traps. And that's the, tra- you know, the idea of being presented with a quote unquote, I'm doing the air Fingers mm-hmm. here, but nobody could see that. Uh, full time <laughs> position, um, where you are hired as a full time staff member, but in reality, you are a project by project hourly employee. I've, I've been, I've been in a firm in the past where, um, you were, you you know, you were, you were brought in as full time, but by full time, they meant you would get 40 hours a week when there was the work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and additionally, you know, sort of I'll go into the second one, but I'll try not to bundle them all up. I'll try to spread these out. I say for me, I mean, that's just like one sort of a trap to fall into an illusion of security. Um, but I think the biggest one, and this one goes beyond, way beyond CRM, archaeology or anything else, especially, well, in the United States, its benefits. And it's particularly health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have stated places I didn't want to be because I had health insurance. And yeah. I needed that health insurance, especially, you know, you may feel invul- invincible in your 20s, but as you get a little older and then a little older than that, uh, health insurance is an extremely good thing. I know I, when I was job hunting last time, I had to go job hunting. Uh, one of the no deals was health insurance. If you didn't offer health insurance, I wasn't even going to talk to you, uh, no matter what the projects were or how cool the projects uh, we're going to be because if I couldn't, you know, get a guarantee of uh, uh, benefits, uh, it mm-hmm. wasn't going to be uh, beneficial to me um, at that point. However, the other side of the coin is once you're in that job with with the benefits, it's harder to leave um, because yes, now in the United States, you can go into the open market and buy insurance, but that assumes you have the money when you're currently unemployed and not making an income, uh, to go buy health insurance. So it's sort of a catch 22, unless you've followed the advice of some of our previous episodes and have a nest egg saved up for those time periods. But even mm-hmm. then that's a big chunk that's going to be taken out of your, uh, nest eggs. On oh that. yeah. So not, not to mention like women
0: who might want to have a child someday, you know, they have to maintain that health insurance. And, uh, I mean, Because also, you never know when something's going to happen and you you just get get pregnant. I mean, things fail and, you know, maybe you weren't planning on it, but that could happen. And if you're not maintaining that health insurance, well, pregnancy is a pre-existing condition (laughs) if you didn't have health insurance when you got pregnant. You know, you can't get pregnant and then go get health insurance unless you can, I don't know, fudge or something
1: on the start date. I don't know how that works. (laughs) Right. And that's and that's one of those like sort of, you know nowadays you you it can't legally discriminate against you but somehow you find yourself not getting to the job or being assigned right. to desk work or not being assigned a thing but we're not discriminating because you're pregnant we're just you know blackballing you um, yeah so exactly yeah uh, that definitely happens and i mean i'm also thinking back now to uh you know smaller firms i'm at where i've i've you know been injured on the job and you know the you know, the, the owner all of a sudden disappears and doesn't want to talk to you for a couple of weeks uh, <laughs> while you're injured, as opposed to the big companies, which are, you know, have fully litigious and real HR departments. will make sure you're sure. immediately on the phone with uh, workman's comp and things like that. But a smaller firm, sometimes I've, I've been on a firm where the person's just like was gone. Like you, yeah. I couldn't find them until I had already gone to the hospital and things like that. Just, you know, at the time I was on my wife's health insurance, I got everything taken care of, but looking back on it, that was the wrong thing to do, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that that goes to a different security, which I'll bring up later, (laughs) another trap. Right, right, right.
0: And and let me make a note on health insurance because I, and I I don't know how many people these days, it seems like more and more um, are veterans, uh, archaeologists are veterans. Like they served in the military for uh, even a brief period of time. And even if you served only for a brief period of time, as long as you got out in a way that was not dishonorable, um, cause I don't think this, I don't think that counts, but there are other ways to get out that are less than honorable. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't an honorable discharge. Just they categorize your discharges differently. Like you can have a medical discharge, you can have, um, th- there's other types of discharges. So the point is I went, my God, I went probably 10, 15 years after I got out of the military, before I went to the VA and and got set up with the VA and uh, for my health insurance. So I did most of my shovel bum work without having been set up for the VA. And the reason is I'm a huge idiot. And I thought, because somebody hinted at this one time that it was really hard to get in with the VA. And I think they just had some weird situation because I literally went to the VA here in Reno. I had to do a physical. Um so y- you have to be in the same place for a little while, right? Because they do they do say, you know, you have to your your doctor is going to be at a certain VA. So if you're traveling around and you're a shovel bum and you're, you know, your VA is in Reno, but you get hurt in Louisiana that doesn't mean you can't go to the emergency room at a VA hospital in Louisiana. That also doesn't mean you can't just go to an emergency room anywhere and, and have them cover it, right? Have the VA cover it. Now, there's, again, some regulations around that. But the point is, go in and have it checked out. Because the other thing is, I worked on the flight deck. I was on the uh, USS Enterprise. And I worked on a flight deck and I worked around uh, airplanes. And anyone who's done that has hearing loss. Guaranteed like there's no way around it. The the planes are too loud. Even if you're wearing the foamies, you know, the, the little earplugs plus the headset, um, it's called dual hearing protection. Um, you're going to have a, a a moderate amount of hearing loss. Now that alone is not going to get you anything unless it's significant. However, you almost always have tinnitus associated with that. So ringing in the ears, which I do have. And I didn't know that that was a, a thing. And I also didn't know that medically they can't prove tinnitus. And, (laughs) <laughs> they can't disprove tinnitus either. And so if you go in there and say, I have ringing in the ears, they're going to do hearing tests and things like that on you, but they can't prove that you have tinnitus. I'm not saying lie to them, but um, as a result of mine, I got 10% disability, which means um, I'm a service connected because I worked on the flight deck. So the the tinnitus is presumably tied to that experience. So I'm a service connected disabled veteran and, and 10% means I get 10% of my base salary, Every month for the rest of my life, which equates to about I think it's $156 or something like that. They just drop into my checking account every month, and that actually goes up as as military pay rates go up. So if the pay rate at the at the rank that I got out, um, if that goes up, then my percentage goes up as well. It's not the rate it, if if I got the 10% of when I got out, I'd be getting like $70. <laughs> but luckily, it's gone up <laughs> with it. Um, but my point is, you know. People talk crap about the v a all the time, and different v a hospitals are worse off than others and I think ones in in much busier areas are really difficult to get into and and they're difficult to get anything done on any time frame, especially shovel bumps that might be passing through like I said, there's always the emergency room, but if you want a regular doctor, that could be a challenge. But if you are a veteran, you're just you're 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 doing yourself a disservice by not at least checking out the v a walk in and say, "I'm a veteran." How do I get my benefits? And what does that mean? And before I got my service connected disability, because that takes a little while to go through. I was just a regular um, veteran. Even then, it wasn't that expensive. You know, if I went in for a a regular checkup, it might be like $100 versus a few thousand dollars or something like that. I don't know what the prices were, but um, and then prescriptions were, you know, $20 instead of $2, you know, whatever the thing is. So you still got really good benefits, even if you weren't service connected or disabled. But now I have free healthcare for the rest of my life because it's service connected disability. So if you do have some sort of ailment that you can trace back to the military and your military experience, like a lot of people have back pain, things like that, then uh, you can get service connected. Now there's a thing too, is you can get 0% service connected, which means you're not disabled, but you have something, something going on, but you're not disabled. You're still, it's not hindering you in any way that still gives you free healthcare for the rest of your life. So you know something to look into i just want to put that out there because i didn't know for so long how easy it was going to be to get hooked up with the va i just didn't know and i, I want people to know that
1: no that's definitely a good psa for this first segment if you've, if you've paid attention to nothing else if you have been in the service Damn. check out to make sure you're maximizing all the benefits you have paid for it in your body so make sure you get all the benefits uh you're, you're entitled to so though no, that's a good psa for this first segment <laughs> Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Because if we're talking about tracked by
0: security, well, let's start knocking down those blocks. So we'll bring, we've brought up a few things. And one of those things that you brought up, which I forgot to even write down, was health insurance. So if we could knock that down for at least a small segment of the population, then that's what we should do. And I'm, I'm happy to do that. So.
2: Yeah, well, health insurance is a big one, right? Like, like, and and all the financial stuff, I, I kind of straddle the fence. Like I, I have opposing viewpoints that, uh, you know, on on this topic. And and the first is that really for security, like for for true security, to go back to what you were initially talking about, the best thing is to kind of go up the ranks. Like the Mm -hmm. the higher you are in in the organization, the more security you have. So if you're worried about like um, getting getting kicked out, you know, like laid off or um, dropped from the organization, um, the the best way to prevent that is to be higher in the ranks. Um they're less likely to let go of uh, you know permanent mm-hmm. permanent uh PIs than they are field techs. Um and 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 advancement is a concern, right? Like um yeah and and that's a sort of security that you want you generally want to try for is that um you you want to look for Job opportunities that will give you some level of advancement.
1: I I also have that on my list as one of security traps.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the downside is it's, yeah. it's more responsibility. It's often more work. It, it's sometimes kind of thankless. But th- there's there's a part of me that 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 is also like, you know, if if you find a position that you really enjoy, and it doesn't have that that level of advancement, yeah, the, the extra security security's not there. But you know, is, is it something that you necessarily want to let go of. And and then, mm-hmm. you know, to be completely on the flip side is that I, I kind of rebel against the idea that you should have your dream job. You know, you, you should have a job that you're okay doing. Like, like you're, you're not having like ethical con- confliction. You're not, you know, like, Whoa, this is completely unsafe. Um, that, you know, you, you need to be able to, you know, get your health insurance and and be able to pay your bills. And yeah, maybe you want to make more money. Um but you know, like as as long as you're making it month to month and and maybe putting away a little savings for retirement or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that that's fine, but that's th- that that's a job, right? Like like you don't have to love it. You you have to be able to do it and you know, survive. And 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 I think I often feel like particularly for archaeology we play up the idea of it being a dream job a little too much right like like this this is awesome you know we're we're (laughs) archaeologists and how cool is that and and we use it to justify a really shitty work environment and and it's like well no and and you know i mean because yeah you're gonna have beautiful days it's gonna be beautiful and sunny and you're gonna be finding like some really awesome sites, but you're also going to have days when it's like cold or rainy and, and you're not finding anything and it's like endless shovel tests and, and it's hard and, you know, you know, and you're staying out of a hotel and you drive to go home and, you know, hang out with your cat and, you know, whatever. Um, but that's, you know, that <laughs> that's the trade off. Like, you know, I mean, security is worth that. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Like, like, and, and I don't I don't find that mm-hmm. to be a trap of like, like oh, no, I'm not 100 percent super fulfilled by by my job. But if, if you're getting enough security that you can actually pay your bills and, and, you know, live your life, then I don't necessarily see that as as a bad thing, you know, or mm-hmm. like trapped in the negative connotation.
0: Now, those are those are really good points. And I want to talk about, I guess, how we're how some people have different definitions of trapped and different definitions of security. Plus, um, Bill has some counterpoints to what you were saying there. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Back in a second. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high quality audio with no stress on the guest just send them a link to click on and that's it Zencaster does the rest they even do automatic transcriptions check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and use the code CRMARC
3: don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket
0: All right, welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 166, and we are talking about being trapped by security and what that means to different people, but first, Doug joined us part of the way through the last segment, we just waited until now to introduce him, so welcome to the show, Doug. Hey, everyone. All right, so we don't want to lose the thread of what we were talking about, though, so let's go right into it. Uh, Bill, you had some counterpoints to what Stephen was saying in the last segment.
1: It's just a reminder that uh, we don't have any one answer, and there is no one answer for these uh, particular type of circumstances in one's career. Uh, it made me while, while uh, Stephen was talking, I was thinking of two different uh, stories about that that have happened in my own career. Back uh, about a job or two ago, um, I was in a position where within one year, I went from being a, an environmental associate to NEPA program manager. and That sounds like huge, mm. big titles. And during the course of the year, I'm moving up the ladder. And the secret was uh, the company was was basically failing, and they were people were either being laid off or jumping ship. And I was sticking on the ship because with these promotions, they came more money. And my hope was that if I could make it stick it out at least a year, it would look really good on my CV that I was a project manager slash program manager uh, of a of a program. And so. Even though I knew everything was falling down around me, I was trying to stick it out for sort of personal career benefits uh, mm-hmm. to sort of have the better resume uh, for the next time there. So this this was a circumstance where I'm just rapidly trying to climb and hold on uh, for as long as I can, even though I'm I'm on a sinking ship at the time. It's a very unique circumstance, I, I know, <laughs> but realistically, all these are going to be unique circumstances because it's going to be all about the individual. And what they're going through. The other story is sort of how I avoided joining the world of CRM for about 10 years um, because of job security. Um, I had uh, been working in uh, retail banking, had worked myself up from a teller to a bank manager. My parents were proud of me. My grandmother was proud of me. My wife at the time was proud of me. Mm -hmm. Everybody was proud of me except for me. I hated every second of it. <laughs> uh, it was miserable, but it was secure. It was steady yeah. income. It was you know the kind of job that made you know like any kind of job that makes your grandmother proud of you should be a, an ideal situation to be in. Sure, but I, but I hated myself in this thing. I hated what everything it stood for. Um, I, I was you know it was in my mind convinced that I'm sitting here aiding and people go unnecessarily getting into debt um, mm-hmm. that they could probably avoid getting into. Uh, so I wasn't sold on the mission of the bank. And there are plenty of good professionals who do. Uh, I just wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically took a dramatic situation, like basically three bank robberies within a course of a month, My God. for me just, just, just to throw my hands up in the air and go, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm out of here. Went back to school, got my degrees, and here I am, living the podcasting dream. <laughs> so you too <laughs> can live the dream on here so it's just a, it's just different routes and just you know just because you're feel happy and secure right now if you well if you feel secure but you're not happy that can be a problem mm-hmm. um but the same you know i'm now thinking of the man i i've gone through all these scenarios in my career um but there's also the scenario of when you're happy but not secure uh, sure. my first crm firm i ever worked for a great group of guys um they were just great to hang out with. They were smart, on on point. Um I was learning so much from them. They you know, they've all become sort of like lifelong friends at this point. But it took me about 4 years to realize I shouldn't be working with them. Um uh, because mm-hmm. the jobs were insecure. There were months without uh a- any jobs, but I would stick around because I didn't want to be disloyal to th- to this company. Because they, you know, they took a chance on me. They were the first firm to hire me. They were such good people. Uh, I didn't want to disappoint them, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't there. The, you know, the work wasn't there. Um, you know, he was a little crazy, like like the owner, you know, I don't mind hanging out at the bar with him at a, at a conference. and But he's not a good boss. Uh Yeah. But but you 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 sort of lure yourself in with this sort of like false loyalty. And we we all do this at some point in our careers. Mm-hmm. Um, you work for a company and you you feel a sense of loyalty. That loyalty grows out of sort of self pride. I want to be really good at my job, and when I'm good at my job, I, I'm going to be proud of what at my work. And sometimes mm-hmm. we conflate that with the actual company itself, which is not necessarily thinking of you in that same manner. So. It's, you know, you have to evaluate like, you know, both your physical, mental, financial uh security all at the same time and make sure that it's all balanced. And, you know, it's not an easy answer. I mean, we all jump through these and sometimes you don't know until you're already in the hole. Right. Uh they're like, "Oh wow, I've dug myself into a hole right now. How did I get How did this happen?" So yeah, those are sort of three yeah. little anecdotes things from uh my journeys. Sure. Sure, David.
0: You know,
2: along that that loyalty thing, I think also um uh, the amount of time that you put into a firm or a particular uh, job is is also, you know, creates more loyalty. Like the longer you've worked for a place, the less likely you are to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to go work for somewhere else." And I've seen people who, you know, if they if they do like a, a seasonal job, a recurring job with a particular firm, often enough, that they kind of start to feel like they're owed security, and and that's not necessarily the case. Like if you're not, if that's not part of the agreement, like going in, it, it, you know, doesn't always like manifest. Sometimes it does. And, and, you know, in which case you're you're incredibly lucky. It's it's really hard to be like that. You know, they don't necessarily owe you that and you don't necessarily owe them extra loyalty.
0: Well, it's like you place a, you place a higher value on your loyalty than they do in most cases. And so you expect that security in return. You
2: know, well, and and, and it's not much even, so, yeah. yeah, and but it's not, it's not even just that because like in, in some cases, like, look, you know, I you got hired for a seasonal job. I don't have permanent jobs to offer you, and and it's like right. that's not, you know, like it's just not there, and and it's like you know feel, feeling that you're owed something that that doesn't even exist, mm-hmm. or you know, conversely, you're not qualified for. It can come down to that. You really got to get out and get that master's. Yeah, and and th- actually, now that I think about it, that's a great example of being trapped: is people who don't have the masters, but have mm-hmm. like a permanent or semi-permanent position with a firm, and they don't want to leave because they've got the job and they've got the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, like they're not going anywhere; they're they're, they're kind of trapped, like. Um, in, in some cases, they'll get more and more responsibilities. So they're almost doing the PI level work, you know, without actually the actual title, because they don't have the degree. And then th- that, that that's probably one of the more insidious forms of uh entrapment um that I've seen from security. Um is you, you get stuck. Like and, and you can't yeah. you can't transfer because there's no nobody's offering you the same level of responsibility or pay. <laughs> Without that degree, exactly.
0: I I can think of so many examples of that here in the Great Basin, because of the way the policies work with the BLM and things like that. You, you get. I know, I know at least several people that that worked their way up within a company in one way or another. They did all the things you're really, I think, supposed to do. You're you you learn new skills. You know, you say yes to everything, and you say, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this." And before you know it, like you said, Stephen, you're doing the job of somebody who. Is academically should be more qualified for that job, um, or at least you know has the requirements to meet that job. Not more qualified, I should say. But anyway, if something happens, you know, shit hits the fan, and they have to lay you off, you're not going to get that same job or that pay level ever again until you work your way back up into another company, or you get the academic qualifications to back up your work experience. Uh, Because that's just a fact. I mean, we can complain about it all we want, but that's just a fact. You need those um, hand in hand.
1: Oh, which which is really daunting when you're the fifty year old field director who's been doing this for <laughs> nearly thirty years. Um, I, I know somebody like that. It's one yeah. of the smartest, uh, best archaeologists, field archaeologists I've ever met. Uh, but yeah. at this point, his body can't do it anymore. But he's stuck in sort of this one place. I think he might be looking at a master's finally now. But wow. it's yeah, you're. I mean, you're you're trapped. And at some point, though, you know, there's other factors that play a role, like your 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 body. They they keep that trap uh, even tighter on you. So yeah, this is a this is definitely a real problem for CRM. Is just sort of the way the structuring uh, of these jobs are done without sort of thought towards actual talent and skill and and putting in like like if we actually had real enforcement of the equivalency model, like it's you were a master's degree or you've demonstrated ten years of work doing X, Y, Z. Uh, for to be comparable, or five years or however many you know you wanted to put it then there this this all this stuff would be much more transferable but to sort of have this hard line with uh degrees definitely makes this a real trap uh unique to crm
2: well and i think i think yeah. things are improving though because a lot of programs now offer kind of after degree masters sort of like for working people like you can do a remote masters now um, and and that really didn't exist when I was going to grad school. So I, I feel like there are more opportunities to get that, get those initials without having to you know give up your job. Yeah, um, but definitely be,
1: does help. I mean, that's how I got my master's. Yeah. <laughs> was through a remote, a remote program.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Which which one uh, well, did you
1: use? Uh, Southern New Hampshire. I took did my master's in history, so a Southern New Hampshire University, uh, public history major. Oh, cool. Uh, for my master's
2: but uh yeah you, so you brought up another uh, another um classic entrapment and 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 that's like aging out um in, in that the the job most of the positions are very very labor intensive they're very physical you have to go out in the field and walk around and dig holes and and um and it doesn't really matter uh to some degree what what level your position's at like if you're the um pi you know, you're you're still out there walking around and, and doing labor, right? So, so it's it's interesting because now that I'm in my mid 40s, I'm I'm seeing a lot of my uh, colleagues who are also in their mid 40s, and and like there there seems to be something around the 50 year mark where they're like, wow, I'd really like to find a desk job, you know, not not now, <laughs> but I but I can see it coming, right? Like, we're, it's it's mm-hmm. like getting harder and it's getting harder. And everybody my age or a little bit older are like, well, I'm not there yet, but I can see where this is going to be an issue in, in five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to deal with this? You know, because th- th- there aren't any such positions at, my, at the place I'm working. So w- how are we going to do this?
0: So let me, uh, I, I got to comment on that. And then I want to go back to something that uh, that Bill said at the beginning of the segment before we uh, lose the thoughts on that. Sure. So. First off, I I totally agree with you, Steven. Um, You know, people, you know, some of these positions, they are physically intensive. But as we know, not every position is physically intensive. So knowing that going in now, if you're 50 and still doing this, maybe you didn't really. I mean, it's it's a little too late to plan ahead for that. You got to kind of figure out what you're doing and and how you're going to make that happen. But if you're 25 and listening to this show right now, know as a fact that your body's going to wear out if you do this as a career. Okay, so understand that. And then this goes along with something else I wanted to say that was related to what um, Bill was saying earlier. Like, Bill, you were in a in a job and you're like, well, I'm going to stay here, even though it's a sinking ship, because I think it's going to look good on my CV and using that idea. And also maybe staying at a job that you're not super happy with, but saying yes to everything and and putting yourself forward and learning new skills so you can transfer those to other places. That's the nice thing about archaeology. There's very few things you can learn at a company that are only going to be valid at that company, right? I mean, maybe they're internal HR software or something, but who cares? (laughs) I mean, everything else is 100% transferable. So knowing the transferability of those skills um, will will help you maybe stick out a less than favorable situation. uh, So you can know that, hey, I'm building my career here, I'm working on the longer term goal. And then also, knowing actually what those goals are if you want a desk job by the time you're 35 or 40 or 50 whatever the time is that you set or not even a desk job but maybe a lab job maybe a job where you're the tech editor for reports maybe you really like writing and you just want to sit and and do the writing maybe you maybe you're really good at giving presentations at conferences and can be the one that takes your company's papers or or you know reports and stuff and turns them into conference presentations i don't know that job doesn't really exist as far as i know but you can make that job exist, right? <laughs> like if you make yourself that expert and say, look at look at this, I can do these things. This makes us look really good. So I'm going to be that person and I'm gonna put myself forth, um, put myself forward with those skills. So I think it really just takes some intentionality in your career and understanding what that means and not being naive and thinking that, hey, when I'm 60, I'm still going to be digging. You might be on site, but you don't want to be humping buckets back to the screen, uh, you know, all day long. I mean, that's just that's just not going to work, right? Unless unless we're all cyborgs by then, which is also a possibility, and I guess something you have to consider. <laughs> but maybe you're just the one running the robot, right? Like you just you're just running the controls. <laughs> you can do that at any age. Who knows? I don't know. But before we get done with this segment in the last minute and a half, Bill, I want to go back to something you said about staying in that one job. And and building that CV experience, knowing that you were on a sinking ship and eventually getting laid off anyway. In hindsight, do you wish you had sought out something else? Or do you think that was good for your career overall to actually do that and stay in that in that position?
1: I think in that circumstance, it was probably good. Uh, I mean, well, it hasn't panned out yet, but I think overall it's good. It's, it's helped me in sort of the some of the more, more non-job things I've been doing archaeologically. Sure. Um, it hasn't really panned out professional fully yet, um, mm-hmm. but it does help. I mean, it, 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 shows sort of skills and places. Um, you know, I'm getting to si- I got to sit in and a lot of business development meetings. was putting together proposals, nice. which I was not writing beforehand. Um, I was going out to client visits and client meetings to do business development. Um, so I got exposed to a lot more things than, than I hadn't had beforehand. So I would say it was a good thing. Now, Where it wasn't a good thing, though, was stress. It stressed the hell out of me Uh, (laughs) because every day I didn't know who was going to get laid off next, whether that was going to be me. And as everything began to shrink, the quality of the work of the company obviously decreased when all of a sudden we went from a full NEPA department with about six people uh, to me doing all (laughs) the work for a NEPA project, which meant I was doing the environmental and the natural resources and the cultural resources Mm -hmm. as well as the negotiation with the client and the negotiation with the federal agency. And Oh, by the way, there were occasional times where the park service or, or SHPO would have a question and we're doing MOAs over here, but I got three things, you know, so it it became a very stressful uh, life. So in some ways it's probably for the best that uh, I didn't do my, a plan of making it a full year. And at my, Pro- program manager position only really lasted three months um, because I don't know if I could have made it uh, without yeah. burning out with that. Cause it was really un- an unrealistic expectation, but I took for what it was worth. And that's sort of as for me, that's been a model of my career uh, on there yeah. is, uh, is look for that opening and make the job for yourself. Um, if you, if you see an opening there, jump into the gap and, and mm-hmm. make the job for yourself. And that's, that's how you get noticed and that's how you can get ahead.
0: Hey, and you never know what relationships you're going to form along the way either because we met um, and you're on this podcast because we met at some point. We met because I don't even know how you found me, but you found me somehow at my company and I did some cell tower work for you out here in Nevada. <laughs> and- well, I
1: was, I was at the time, I think I was already listening to the podcast and all of a sudden a yeah. project came up in Nevada and I'm like, do I know any firms? And <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I listened to this podcast with that guy in Nevada. <laughs> Perfect. and now you're me, a co-host let's see. let's see if he actually does real crm or just talks about it
2: <laughs> nice nice and what was the answer to that just out of curiosity
1: <laughs> i never hired him again <laughs> <laughs> actually no we got we, we got two projects out of it <laughs> yeah yeah all right
0: all right on that note <laughs> let's take our last break and come back in a second You may have heard my pitch for membership. It's a great idea and really helps out. However, you can also support us by picking up a fun t-shirt, sticker, or something from a large selection of items from our T Public Store. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash shop for a link. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop to pick up some fun swag and support the show. All right, welcome back to the Sierra Market Podcast, episode 166. And, you know, we had some technical difficulties in the first segment, uh, and then we were on a roll in the second segment. But I want to get Doug's thoughts on this topic. Doug, what are your thoughts on being trapped by security and and the various definitions of that? What are your initial response to this?
3: I've been listening. It's some really good examples you guys have been bringing up and whatnot. But I'm not sure uh, with modern workforces and the way that how our system works and this is across the globe. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if there's anything truly like security, I'm not sure is actually a real thing. Um <laughs> in the sense of okay. I don't know if it exists anymore for ninety-five percent of jobs. Um so like you know obviously in CRM there's always that temper temporary jobs and stuff like that. So th- those are gone. But like you know all those jobs that, like, say, in manufacturing, where it used to be that you could go into, say, like, Ford, and then you could spend the rest of your life for the next, you know, 40-whatever years until you retired working at one company. And I, I just don't think that those jobs exist anywhere anymore. I mean, even if you look at something like, say, government jobs, new new uh, regime comes in and there's there's certain, it seems like in every country there's at least one party that has this ideology that government's bad and we should cut positions and stuff like that and so people get made redundant that way mm-hmm. um, I just don't see there ever truly being many secure jobs I, I think you can look at security as a temporary thing um, and maybe this is, this is the part of the trap and what makes it worse is that anytime you feel secure, you should actually just be feeling like it's temporary. And that at any point it's, it's going to go South and you are <laughs> going to lose that job. Um, and that you should actually just always be constantly planning that at some point there's going to be, you're going to have to move jobs. I don't know. I mean, that sounds really depressing and a bit bleak, but I'm, I'm not sure if there's many jobs left where you could get a job and be able to, uh, like, creatively to grave it, where you could just work your way up and retire. And, I, and this is not just something for CRM. This is like across tons of different fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're quite unique in this whole. Um, people can feel secure, and then you know it all falls apart. I think that's true of pretty much most most everywhere. I mean, what what are you guys' thoughts on that?
0: I think that's an excellent point um, because you're right. I mean, how many people do you know in this day and age that started, I don't know, 10 years ago that are still in the same job? There's probably not that many uh, because people move around. It doesn't matter where you work, but I think, I think we need to redefine security, right? Because when I was shovel bumming uh, before I started my own company and we kind of settled here in the great basin, my wife and I, we were we we had no problem finding jobs, and we asked for jobs together like we we weren't married yet, but we we submitted resumes together and said, "Listen, you hire one, you're hiring both of us." but we were both equally qualified. We started about the same time we'd worked in different regions of the country, doing different things, analyzing different things. we weren't specializing in any one thing, we were generalists, and it made us very, very, very employable and in fact, we never had a large gap in unemployment between jobs and I think that is a security in and of itself. When you start building that resume and you you have a, a massive amount of skill and regional variation and things like that, and you're willing to move and go to these different jobs, that can be a form of security. And I think that's the form of security that that shovel bumming was ideally is ideally suited for. Because you're right, Doug, there is no Ford Motor Company job for shovel bumps. There just isn't. <laughs> Even the big engineering firms. They ebb and flow with the times, and and how the how the construction cycles are going. And you may have a job for a little while, and then you may not after that. So
3: I don't know. There's there's no Ford jobs for Ford people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I would disagree with you. Um, that being able to move is that that's not security. That's a luxury. Like not everybody has that. In, in, instead, for for me, and and this, I kind of said this in the first segment is, is that security is being able to pay your bills, and mm-hmm. and. You know meet whatever requirements you have for life and and you know like in including that is like health insurance and other benefits and stuff like that but that's that's really what the security is and um in previous episodes pre- previous shows i've I, I've said before that really there are no there are no jobs there's only projects and mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's the reality of employment um for for everybody today is that um you know maybe maybe it goes from project to project to project but really you're 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 here to do x um and and you're there for a reason and you're you're gonna be working on that project and if those projects go away um your position's gonna go away and and that's true regardless but Mm -hmm. you can still have the that level of security where you are you know paying the bills and eventually, yeah, okay, that position goes away, but um, you know, with any luck you move on to another position or another career or whatever. You find other projects to work yeah. on. And the security there is that, you know, you find something else that then pays the bills.
1: Kind of kind of looking at this over, I was I was thinking like security, like on the tide show title, he's put security in square quotes. And the idea that security is more of a state of mind uh, than a, than, a, than a physical thing. Um, if security, you know, it's, it's as simple as you're secure if you feel that you're secure, uh, and if you don't feel secure, you don't have security. Um, so I think that's why we, we're seeing so many different examples and even contradictory examples uh, throughout this episode because it's really you know on the individual and what your individual definition of security is at that particular time in your life. Um, a lot of the things I'm thinking about today has been mostly focused on sort of the trap side of things. Um, mm-hmm. One of the traps I was sort of thinking of is it's sort of a rather insidious one. Is the in this world of like we work project to project and we only work on projects is when you work for a firm which has a no compete clause, so that you cannot get side jobs with any other firms, but you only work can work for that firm when they actually have a project for you, and so you're sort of trapped with. Well, I have this company who likes me, and they've hired me, but I can't work for anyone else when they don't have jobs for me. Right, and I've seen that. I've seen that growing, and and I see that as sort of a very insidious trend.
2: It doesn't sound like the firm likes them very much.
1: (laughs) What's typically on the? These are like the huge, huge the internet, the international engineering firms, and it's Mm -hmm. one of these cross the board type of things. They don't want you know their project managers were moonlighting with their you know defense contractor uh counterparts but it that same type of idea filters down to the shovel bum who's mm-hmm. just trying to pay the rent
0: all right well speaking of security uh we are going to switch topics just briefly for the the last little bit of this um the last little bit of this podcast because uh, because of something that happened recently that is, I guess, somewhat tied to this, you know, because when we're talking about security, we're obviously talking about finding a job and all that stuff. And we talk about that stuff constantly on here. But I want to bring something up real quick and get your guys' thoughts on this. And, Stephen, I know you're not on Facebook, but you can still give, our, uh, still give an opinion on this, I'm sure. Um, but I'm one of the admins for the Archeo Field Text group on Facebook. And if you're not part of that and you are on Facebook, I recommend joining it. A-R-C-H-A-E-O uh, space field space text. So archaeo field Techs. And we did, you know, we always get, because it's a Facebook group, we always get people coming in that don't belong in there. So we just put up three questions that you have to answer before you come in. And some people don't want to answer those questions. And we simply don't let them in. (laughs) So um, basically says, are you an archaeologist? Are you a field technician? Do you work in the United States? Because that's who this group is for. And if you can't answer yes to all those questions, then, you know, uh, you're not coming in the group. So uh, I don't know why some people choose not to answer the questions. But anyway, don't get scared by the questions. Point is, Facebook, and I first saw this yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean June 8th, 2019. And as an admin, I think it showed me this. And if you're an admin of another group, maybe you saw this earlier because they like to roll out new features um, on a cycle you know, to different people at different times uh, rather than all at once. But the concept of mentorship came up and it was right at the top of the group page. And it says, do you want to add mentorship to this group? And I was like, well, I don't know what that means, but it sounds good because everybody wants a mentor for something that they're doing. So I clicked on it and I ended up uh, you had to choose a different category. And I don't remember what all the categories were, but one of them was job searching uh, and job seeking. And those are probably some of the biggest questions that we get over in the RKL Field Text group from either new people or experienced people is, You know, either I need a job or I need help with my resume or something like that. Right. And, you know, I don't know where to look. And, you know, we get all those kinds of questions. So uh, I set that up. And what it looks like is basically you can fill out your own mentor profile uh, and and it's got your Facebook profile. There shows where you live. You give a quick uh, synopsis of who you are. Um, who you are in the field? I filled mine out. I just put listen. I've been doing this. I you know Archaeology Podcast Network, my own company, my book, all that stuff, just to establish my credentials and the things that I'm doing, and then the things that I'm uh, you know kind of like uh, I guess tags based on the things that I can talk about and 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 what I know about. And I put that up, and then it uh, it told me to share it. Um, it. Asked me if I wanted to share it, so I shared it to the group. And one person said, "I think this would be a really good idea." And another person said, I think it's the worst idea I've ever seen because you never know who's going to come in this group and somebody could be trolling people and blah, blah, blah. And I had to comment to her and say, settle down. This is an experiment. And we manage who comes into this group. Sure, some people slip through the cracks, but it's not like we're talking about, you know, a suicide hotline. We're talking about job mentoring, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how bad could it go? Like, is somebody going to tell someone? oh yeah, go find all your jobs in the yellow pages. And then they never get any jobs, right? But I just, I wanted to point this out because I dropped back in here this morning before we went to the podcast. And while I didn't get any other comments on the shared aspect of this, like like, that I shared it, six other people have filled out profiles as a mentor. And the way this works is if you want to be a mentee, then you come in here and you click on the button that says start conversation. And it leads you through a six week program of of basically questions that Facebook has set up on how to keep this conversation going. You can start talking to this person in any way that you want, but it sets up this relationship that starts out with it prompting these, uh, these questions. And it's all probably done through messenger from the looks of it. But like, if you guys don't talk after the first week on the second week, it's going to say, okay, this is this week two of the program. Now you should be doing this, you know, talk about this kind of thing. I haven't actually done it yet, so I don't know what the questions are, but, I just, the fact that six people since yesterday afternoon have also signed up for this, one in San Francisco, one in Florida, one in Ontario, another person in Washington, D.C., uh, Wisconsin, New York. I'm here in Nevada. So we've got people literally all over the country and Canada already ready to mentor people into finding a job. And I think that is just a fantastic statement of who we are as a field and and generally who we are um, as people in this field willing to help other people. So um, without having actually seen this guys yet, because I didn't bring it up that I was going to talk about it cause I kind of forgot about it until I saw my notes. What do you think about this concept of mentorship through Facebook with people you may never have met before, you know, or, or don't even know?
3: Uh, I would probably be fairly skeptical just because it's Facebook and sure. uh, I, I think I like the concept. I definitely think there should be more mentorship through archaeology. But my concern would be one, a lot of people are going to have similar questions. And this is actually what I kind of hate about Facebook groups is they're all built around having conversation, but not any permanence. Like you can't have like this frequently asked question FAQ thing. And so you end up with a lot of groups where people come in and just keep asking the same questions. And a lot of people are very helpful to keep answering those questions, so that's great, but um, I think it takes up a lot of resources. And also, I, I think a lot of stuff should be more generic and public in that what one person's, actually, this podcast is a really good example. We've done a lot of talk about different aspects of jobs and how to get it and different things like that. And I remember we had an episode where I thought having references was pointless, and Stephen completely disagreed and said, actually, they're really helpful. And I think you need multiple perspectives like that on different different aspects because, you know, not not every one perspective is going to be correct. And, you know, especially with jobs, I mean, I think I've seen someone describe a CV as a bit like uh, fly fishing in that you try different types of CVs and sometimes you'll catch it and sometimes you won't. And that's, that's a lot of what job sort of stuff is so uh, i i would think a lot of it could be wasted duplicate um material and that people ask questions and then only get one opinion when you should actually be looking for multiple opinions because there's multiple ways of you know getting a job and mentorship Um, and also i i just i have to say i'm just really skeptical of something like facebook i I mean it sounds a bit like tinfoil hat Sort of conspiracy theory stuff, but uh, I suspect that Facebook is generically a sort of closed group
0: that's the beauty of this whole situation is is you can look at the person's profile and see, hey, they work in an area where I want to get a job, maybe they know something about that, and you can start the conversation. You don't have to go through the entire process. you can just have a uh, have a quick i don't know have a quick chat about something and see if the relationship is right, you know, but at least you've identified somebody that is willing to help which I think is the important part here.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's the, it, probably, if anything, it's the, it's the platform uh, that makes me a little hesitant. Um, I actually got an invitation from you about this uh, the other day. And yeah, I thought you'd to be really a good look one at it. It. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely going to look into it. Now, now, now that we're talking about it, I'm definitely going to look into it more, and you might see me pop up there uh, within mm-hmm. the next day or two. Um, but overall, though, I do think mentoring as a whole is absolutely one of the most critical and important things you can do uh, yeah. for your career. Um, because one of the worst things you can be in your career is sort of alone and isolated, um, mm-hmm. to be able to network and make bring that pe- group of people together. And it's good to have more than just one, uh, sort of, you know, people above you, people below you, people at the same peer level as you good different experiences. Um, this is how you move. This is the real way you move along in there. At this point, even in 2019, even with all these electronic tools we have, it is still the individual personal one-on-one stuff that actually gets you the job. Like, how do you get your dream job? It's because you knew somebody who was either able to introduce you to that firm or was able to coach you up on how to actually get the job with that firm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's It's really hard to go into places that you have no experience for it and so forth. So um, mentorship is is extremely important, and then, you know I'll look into this Facebook thing in particular to see if it's something. Um, that that uh, sort of looks right, but in any platform, it, it's something that probably should be growing. Uh, and the idea of digital me- mentoring, mentoring in principle, I'm absolutely all for. Um, you know, the beauty of social media is that you can have conversations with people. I mean, I have regularly have conversations with with tons of archaeologists on a daily basis who I've never seen because they were all on Twitter. Uh, so I, I know the power of social media. So the channel that for the uh, something as important as mentorship sounds, sounds awesome. It's just Facebook I'm worried about. (laughs) Well,
0: and, and we're out of time now, so I'm just going to finish this off by um, commenting on the whole Facebook aspect of this. You're right. Facebook does not as a company have a great reputation for certain things. And, and also as a platform for people talking to each other, there's a lot of negative things that do happen through Facebook. However, I think that the curation of this particular group and any group that's well-maintained, you know, we really watch and make sure that people who aren't archaeologists get out. And that is, that's not to say every archaeologist is a fantastic human being either, but um, we make sure that, you know, people are professional in here and things are happening in accordance with the group's rules and regulations. And um, I think if uh, if somebody proved to be not a very good mentor and steering people in the wrong direction, I think... The other powerful thing about social media is that will be known really fast um, because, you know, more than likely the person will tell one of the admins or just put something up and say, hey, this person told me to, you know, go spend my paycheck at a casino and make more money (laughs) 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 or something like that. I don't know. But the nice thing is you do have choices, you have options. And just looking at the people that have that have put their names up on here, I only there's only one name I don't recognize um, and he's a relatively new member of the, um, uh, of the Facebook group. Uh, but he does seem to have some experience here and that's good and he's willing to help out and he's willing to talk to people. So Facebook is what you make it like all social media. It's, it can be dangerous if you treat it that way. Um, but it can be also nice and safe and uh, a great way to connect people together and to learn from each other. Um, if you treat it that way and you're not, you know, you're not an idiot, to be honest. I mean, you got to look at this stuff and say, what am I looking at? Critically think about the situation that you're in and the advice that you're being given and, you know, the things that's happening there. So, yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll just end it on that note. If you want in, you just have to go into Archeo Field Techs on Facebook and over on the left hand side. They don't really promote this very well yet, but over on the left hand side, if you're on desktop, I don't know where it is on mobile. Uh, there's just a line that says mentorship. There's also my post that's quickly moving down the page. So maybe I should pin that to the top for a little while. But on the left-hand side, click on mentorship. And then you can sign yourself up to be a mentee without uh, without actually picking someone. And then people who are mentors can go through periodically and say, oh, this person wants mentorship. Click and, and start that relationship with them, right? Start that conversation. Um, or you can click on the mentors and look at their profiles and select one on your own. I think that's the more uh, I think it should just be that, you know, it should just be that relationship. Let the mentee start the relationship, not the mentor. Um, but you know, we'll see. So, all right. Well, until next time uh, let us know if you're using this or, or how it's going, because by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be a couple of weeks since this has been out. So maybe somebody will have used it. Um, send me an email, send one of us a tweet. All our contact info is on the APN uh, website. Uh, And it's also in the show notes of whatever you're looking at when listening to this podcast on. So um, our Twitter handles and other contact info is right there. So, all right. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you guys next week. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com dot com slash crm arc podcast please comment and share anywhere you see the show if you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode email us use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archeology support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members get some swag and extra content while you're there send us show suggestions and interview suggestions we want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere and we want to know what you want to know about Thanks everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in and we'll see you in the field. Just say goodbye now. Just just say it now. Just go. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Bye. So now we're playing the game of is Doug still connected to the call or...
2: <laughs> Maybe we should just boot him and see if he
0: All comes right. back.
3: Just get rid of him. Adios everyone.
0: Oh, man. I was just thinking he should do it in different languages. I literally was. Yeah. (laughs) This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network.